It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Skating on thin ice. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. Parts of the listening area bracing for a close encounter of the icy kind. We'll have to watch for a significant impact from snow and ice uh, tonight along the I-90 corridor from Buffalo east past Utica. That's meteorologist Kevin Williams who says the weather event is going to be all about location and elevation with borderline temperatures making all the difference between snow, ice, sleet or just plain rain. Ice storms can be really bad. That's Erie County New York Executive Mark Polinkars. He knows ice isn't nice. When you deal with an ice storm you can salt roads, you can't salt power lines. So we've been in contact with National Grid and NYSIG. They're preparing for potential power loss. Our wintry mix is part of a much larger weather system that's causing trouble coast to coast. The biggest accumulations will be from the high plains on into New England, and at times we could have snowfall rates at one to two inches an hour. And winds gusting to 50 miles an hour, we have to look out for drifts that could be several feet deep and wind chills down to 45 below zero. The Weather Channel's Stephanie Abrams. Minneapolis is prepping for a record-setting blizzard there. We are bracing for what is likely to be one of the largest snow storms in Minnesota history. Minneapolis Mayor Melvin Carter. The projections show an unprecedented three-day weather event, which is why St. Paul will declare back-to-back snow emergencies in our city. This potent storm system triggered severe weather in the southern tier yesterday afternoon, as well as a possible tornado in New Jersey. By way of contrast, this western New Yorker is among those basking in record warmth in the south right now. I'm loving it. And I go back to uh, to Buffalo area, Acre, little town called Akron, and uh, it's still, we're still going to have snow when I get back there off and on, so I'm loving this. Again, meteorologist Kevin Williams will try to sort all of it out for us later in this newscast. President Biden says it's more important than ever that NATO stands together. As we approach the uh, one-year anniversary of Russia's further invasion, it's even more important that we continue to stand together. Speaking in Warsaw, Poland, alongside NATO allies, Biden said freedom is at stake here. Biden says support for Ukraine will go on. His remarks come after he visited Ukraine this week and delivered a speech from Warsaw on Tuesday. Looming in the background of the conventional warfare in Ukraine is the growing nuclear-laced tension between the U.S., Russia, and perhaps China as well. CBS's David Martin says Russia, which announced it is abandoning the only existing nuclear treaty with the U.S., launched a test missile while President Biden was making the rounds in Europe. The test of one of Russia's newest ICBMs coincided with President Biden's surprise trip to Kiev. But a U.S. official said Russia had followed the requirements of the START nuclear arms treaty and notified the U.S. at least 24 hours in advance. Russia was not notified of the president's trip to Kiev until just a few hours before he entered Ukraine. Retired Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg tells Fox News the U.S. needs to tread a fine line here between aiding Ukraine but not poking the bear in the wrong spot. One of the things the Russians have is called mass. That means people and equipment, and they can generate that. And that's the reason why we need to stop them there. Don't forget, the, the, the Russian bear is still a very dangerous bear. It's backed by all those nuclear weapons. It's backed by tactical nukes as well. So we can't let them off the line, meaning we have to keep pushing them back. The Middle East now, it's also looking like a growing hotspot. An Israeli West Bank raid today turned deadly. <laughs> 
Palestinian officials say 10 people were killed, 102 wounded in a rare daytime attack in Nablus. They report a building blown apart, shops riddled with bullets. CBS's Deborah Rodriguez, a British schoolgirl who joined ISIS may be losing her UK citizenship. Shamima Begum was 15 when she and two of her London school friends ran away to become ISIS brides. They died in the fighting and chaos there. She was found in a Syrian detention camp in 2019 and promptly stripped of her British nationality. Her lawyers called her a grooming victim. The British government argued even if that was true, she could still pose a security threat. The special immigration court apparently agreed Begum's lawyers are likely to appeal. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. All right, back in the USA now. Former President Trump due to visit Eastern Ohio today following this month's train derailment. In a post on his Truth Social platform, Trump said he's making the trip because the residents of East Palestine are, quote, great people who need help now. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. We're going to hold them accountable to the fullest extent of the law on any violations from Norfolk Southern uh, that contributed to this disaster. Uh, meanwhile, the EPA is holding them responsible for the cleanup. Local residents have complained of health issues following the crash that involved a train carrying toxic chemicals. The White House unveiling a plan that it says will reduce unauthorized border crossings by migrants seeking asylum. Under the proposal, migrants seeking asylum would be required to go through a number of steps before they would be allowed to enter the U.S. This includes being denied asylum in other countries they pass before reaching the U.S. The new rules could end up preventing tens of thousands from seeking asylum. The new plan would apply to families and single adults unaccompanied minors would be exempt. CBS's Steve Fardiman. The Supreme Court considering a lawsuit that could fundamentally change internet law. Legal analyst Thane Rosenbaum. Twitter's position is that it's not enough for them to merely make its platform available to terrorists in order to violate the Anti-Terrorism Act. It has to be aware of a specific act of terrorism that its platform is aiding and abetting, and that if they took action to block the accounts, the terrorism would have been thwarted altogether. Justice is reportedly hesitant to hand down any sweeping ruling that could change the way search engines and other websites recommend content to users. A prominent church booted from the SBC. Saddleback Church in Southern California has a female pastor. That was enough for the Southern Baptist Convention's Executive Committee to oust the congregation, as well as four others over the same issue. The nation's largest Protestant denomination opposes women as pastors. CBS's Wendy Gillette and extra virgin vent anyone? Coffee giant Starbucks debuting a new line of beverages featuring olive oil. The coffee chain is rolling out a new line of beverages made with extra virgin olive oil. And if you're watching your weight, that shot adds 120 calories to the drink, though doctors have said there are health benefits to the ingredient. I'll pass. Thank you, CBS's Matt Piper. Still to come on the Noon Report, utilities brace for ice storm issues. Pennsylvania's governor speaks out on the East Palestine cleanup and a bridge by any other name. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. A nasty winter storm is on the way, promising snow, ice, rain, and wind. I'll spell things out in the forecast coming up in 10. All right, the man of the hour, Kevin Williams. All right, now checking the stories, making news where you live in New York and Pennsylvania. As mentioned at the top of the newscast, weather is a big concern right now in parts of the listening area. Family Life's Jeremy Miller has been checking with utility companies about their prep work today. NYSEG and RG&E crews are preparing equipment and resources as rain, sleet, snow, and strong winds are forecast to hit much of upstate this afternoon. The widespread system is expected to hang around until tomorrow morning and could impact service in western New York, the Finger Lakes, central New York, and the southern tier. 
the top priority of crews is to respond to down power lines to make sure the public is safe. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. Thanks, Jeremy. Cyberbullying, it's getting worse among today's youth. Amanda Dickerson with the Bullying Abuse Prevention Center at the University of Buffalo. It's a community problem. We have to work with parents and parents also have to take responsibility and how are they raising their kids and what values are they passing on. These sorts of online issues is why the U.S. Surgeon General recommends children under 13 not have access to social media. A big boost for Rochester Healthcare. We'll assure that no one has to leave Rochester to get the highest quality state-of-the-art care for any illness. Congressman Joseph Morell saying Strong Memorial Hospital in Rochester is getting a million dollars in federal funding to help with a construction project. The money will be used toward expanding the emergency department to three times its current size. The hope is that if there's more space available, there will not be overcrowding. The challenges that everyone faces, uh, people are trying to cope in different ways around the country. No one is coping better than the Rochester uh, community uh, and this organization, URMC, is extraordinary at what they're doing. And again, the men and women who make this up, who make this happen, uh, are just continuing to have such positive impacts on people uh, in the region. The hospital is also planning to build a brand new nine-floor patient tower. Officials say a fire that damaged a home in Rochester was sparked by a lithium-ion battery used to power a hoverboard. When crews arrived at the scene on Radio Street yesterday, they saw heavy smoke pouring out of the home. One person trapped inside. Firefighters had to help get him out. He was brought to a hospital to be treated for smoke inhalation, but is expected to be okay. New York Governor Kathy Hochul isn't saying whether she supports changing the name of what's currently officially known as the Mario Cuomo Bridge. Governor Hochul is declining to give her opinion on the bridge name controversy. Democratic State Senator James Skoufis is sponsoring a bill to rename the span that connects Rockland and Westchester counties. Former Governor Andrew Cuomo named the new bridge after his father, but that upset many in the Hudson Valley who wanted it to remain the Tappan Zee Bridge. While pressed by reporters on it, Hochul said she would certainly look at anything that passes at the time, but she says it's too premature. Scott Pringle, NBC News Radio, New York. All right, now to Pennsylvania. Governor Josh Shapiro promising to hold Norfolk Southern account for that toxic train derailment just across the border in Ohio. It is my view the Norfolk Southern wasn't going to do this out of the goodness of their own heart. There's not a lot of goodness in there. He's launched a criminal review of the February 3rd disaster that's led to a public health emergency in East Palestine, Ohio. This resident says he's been coughing up blood as a result of breathing in toxic air there. Days after the incident, I woke up in a very horrific coughing spell, uh, almost like bronchitis or pneumonia. But uh, spats of blood did appear. A few days later, we evacuated town. It went away, but that was one of the side effects. Ohio's Governor Mike DeWine says the water is safe to drink in East Palestine, despite those health concerns. The Pennsylvania House has passed sex abuse survivors legislation. It gives victims more time to sue. The legislation passed on a party-line vote. That measure, though, faces an uncertain future in the state Senate. A microbiologist at the University of Pennsylvania says there's evidence that the avian flu virus is jumping to mammals. Professor Scott Hensley tells PBS the H5N1 virus has now been noted in a mink farm in Spain and among wild sea lions in Peru. He says that's concerning because it could mean the virus has the potential to spread further 
Though he notes the good news is that it doesn't so far appear to be able to replicate in human cells. An after-school Satan Club in Pennsylvania's Lehigh Valley has forced a school district there to close today after receiving a threat. Residents of Hellertown shocked when they learned about the club. Really could not believe that it was allowed to ex- actually exist. I don't know if it's going to last or not. I really have no idea. In my opinion, is I hope it doesn't. The Saucon Valley School District, one of 10 across the country where the Satanic Temple has set up shop, recently announced plans to open a Satan Club at a school near Binghamton, New York. A new mid-year report on the Commonwealth's fiscal health says residents and lawmakers should both be alarmed about certain factors at the state level. The forecast from the Independent Fiscal Office relays that wages are expected to decrease over 3.5% as money from the federal government's stimulus funds dries up. However, officials say the state's experiencing a record low unemployment rate that at 4.0% for the fourth quarter of last year. By an overwhelming margin, Pennsylvanians support early childhood education programs. Family Life's Terry Diener with the results of a new survey from Susquehanna University. The poll showed 98% of Pennsylvania voters believe early childhood education is important. Voters also supported things like investment in early care and education programs like pre-K, high-quality child care, and home visiting services. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Thank you, Terry. City officials in Williamsport have approved parks improvement projects that will allow resurfacing of basketball, tennis, and pickleball courts. Mayor Derek Slaughter says work on those courts at Youngswood Park, Shaw Park, and Memorial Park are expected to start in April. The project's hopefully to be finished in time for summertime use. And girl wrestlers from across the Keystone State gathered at the state capitol to celebrate the sport being officially sanctioned by the PIAA. The state had set a goal of 100 schools being willing to participate in the program before the sport would be recognized officially. Executive Director Dr. Robert Lombardi said Tuesday that the goal was met last week. There are now 101 girls wrestling teams across the state of Pennsylvania. And that, appropriately enough, brings us to a check of sports. Here's Bob. All right, let's do it. Mark, we'll start in the NBA. The Atlanta Hawks parting ways with head coach Nate McMillan. He's been fired after a 29-30 and start to the season. The Chicago Bulls point guard Lonzo Ball is out for the season with a bad left knee. He hasn't played in more than a year after undergoing arthroscopic surgery for a torn meniscus in his knee. Football news next. 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy will not be undergoing elbow surgery as planned this week. That operation's been postponed due to ongoing inflammation in Purdy's right elbow. The 23-year-old expected to be out six months once the surgery is complete. College basketball news. The leading scorer on the number two team in the country finding himself in some hot water today. Alabama star Brandon Miller allegedly provided the handgun that was used to kill a woman last month. Last night on the hardwood, Michigan State upset Indiana in their first game back since last week shooting on campus that left three students dead, five others wounded, ESPN Scott Van Pelt. At a vigil held on campus, Michigan State head basketball coach Tom Izzo, who's been there for 28 years, said of East Lansing, I don't like the place, I don't love the place. I live the play. An emotional game for sure in East Lansing last night. Other college basketball action saw Villanova upset 15th-ranked Xavier and Kansas State beat Baylor in a Big 12 showdown. Brittany Griner making her return to the WNBA. The Phoenix Mercury announced Griner re-signed with the team Tuesday for a one-year deal. 
This comes after she was detained on drug charges in Russia in February 2022 and sentenced to nine years in prison. Griner was able to return to the U.S. through a prisoner swap in December. I'm Brian Shook. Thank you, Brian. Finally, hockey action. Toronto doubling up the Sabres 6-3. The Flyers fall to Edmonton, Nashville, and Chicago. Both win in shootouts. At the Family Life Sports Desk, I'm Bob Price. Thank you, Bob. Still to come on the Noon Report, we'll recap the top stories of the day for you, including a formidable winter weather system causing trouble here and elsewhere, the latest on President Biden's European trip, and a radio ministry bringing Christ to war-torn Ukraine. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Today is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of a 40-day period in the church calendar known as Lent. This time of preparation leading up to Holy Week and Resurrection Sunday is especially helpful given the political, digital, and ideological distractions of our moment. The very same cultural forces that tend to over-commercialize our Christmas celebrations can make us just forget about Holy Week and Easter Sunday, not to mention that these days point to the central events in all of human history. Ash Wednesday is an especially helpful day that helps us remember. Around the world today, countless Christians will have the sign of the cross marked on their foreheads in ash, what's known as the imposition of ashes, and will hear the words, remember you are dust, and to dust you will return. That reminder, along with the various exercises and self-denial associated with Lent, can give us the impression that the 40 days prior to Good Friday and Easter Sunday should have a somewhat gloomy tone. That, however, would be to completely miss the point. During Lent, we should confront our mortality, not only to be reminded of it, but also in order to better understand why we no longer need fear it. Clearly, ours is a culture that fears mortality, going to absurd lengths to delude ourselves from thinking about it. Years ago, as my grandfather was dying, having suffered terribly for several months, I asked my pastor, why doesn't God just take him? And honestly, I expected a response, gentle and comforting, along the lines of, well, God has his ways and his timing, and we just have to trust him. Now, all that's true, of course. But instead, what my pastor said was something more important. He said, because your grandmother needs to fulfill the vows she made 70 years ago, and your grandfather needs to better understand his mortality before he meets God. Now, that might sound unkind, even cruel for God to teach two of his people in this way, but it was not. We do need to know who we really are, and that includes these aspects of our humanity. And recall that God did not spare his own son in this regard. The epistle to the Hebrews speaks of Jesus, quote, tasting death for everyone. What's more, Jesus experienced this tasting as one of us in every way, except without sin. Later in chapter 5, the author of Hebrews says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. The Gospels describe the physical and the emotional toll of Jesus' encounter with his mortality in Gethsemane. Quote, and being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That's Luke chapter 22. And yet, as we know, that's not the end of the story. Less than 72 hours later, Jesus destroyed death. And in doing so, the author of Hebrews tells us, he freed those, quote, held in slavery by their fear of death. This is a freedom far more than just a promise of heaven, though, as Paul tells us, to be with Christ is gain. Lent, despite its reminder of our mortality, is the farthest thing from gloomy. Yes, like the founder and perfecter of our faith, we will taste death. But because of him, death's power in this life, as well as the next, is destroyed. And that is great news indeed. 
So whether or not you typically participate in Lenten activities, such as the imposition of ashes or fasting, take these 40 days to face and ponder your mortality. As you do, keep an eye on Jesus' resurrection and the resurrection that awaits all of us who belong to him. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Breakpoint is made possible by generous gifts from listeners like you. You can support this daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth on our website, breakpoint.org slash radio. That's breakpoint.org slash radio. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon cloudy with snow or snow arriving across the air but transitioning to sleet, freezing rain and rain south of Buffalo. Temperatures in the 30s. And then tonight is snow, sleet, freezing rain and rain continuing into tomorrow with wind. Temperatures tonight steady or rising. High temperatures tomorrow will range from the low 30s near Lake Ontario to the low 60s in central and eastern Pennsylvania. And then on Friday it's blustery, colder, local lake snows and snow flurries and temperatures in the teens and 20s. All right, thank you, Kevin Williams. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster. Thank you again for joining us. A recap of some top stories for you. For us, icing issues remain a real concern, especially in western and central New York along the I-90 corridor. Talking around a quarter of an inch of ice around the Buffalo metro area, Niagara County, Orleans, and also Genesee County as well. And a quarter inch of ice adds upwards about 500 pounds to trees and power lines. Keep that in mind as well. That's meteorologist Mike Doyle with WIVB in Buffalo. WCBS meteorologist David Parkinson says ground zero for blizzard conditions with this whopper storm is Minnesota. Probably the number two worst storm in terms of snowfall totals that the city of Minneapolis has ever seen. You might think Minnesota kids are banking on some snow days, but this Minneapolis school official says not in the era of online learning. We're grateful that our students at Minneapolis Public Schools can keep learning even during severe weather. Much of the Twin Cities shut down in advance of that storm. President Biden meeting today with NATO members in Poland, specifically a group known as the Bucharest Nine. They make up NATO's eastern flank and are the ones most vulnerable to a potential attack by Russia. CBS's Ed O'Keefe, retired Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg, tells Fox News the U.S. needs to walk a very fine line in Ukraine, but that defeat isn't an option. Ukrainians are fighting very, very well. They've been able to contain this fight on the eastern region. They've regained about 40% of the land that they lost in the initial invasion. And this is going to be a fight to the finish because mm. they, they do not want to negotiate at all. Kellogg says there are legitimate concerns growing over a nuclear escalation between the U.S. and Russia with China as a third party. Border Patrol agents in Texas are being moved north to handle a surge of illegal immigration that's coming in from Canada now. Experts say this once again shows how adept cartels have become at human smuggling. If specific immigrants have some resources, they may be able to pay the cartels. There's uh, lots of money to be made on this. Professor Tony Pine at Rice University's Baker Institute, he predicts the U.S. will be forced to take a hard look at Canada's privileged access at the border. In one northern sector, illegal immigration is up more than 700 percent. The Border Patrol in Vermont stopped a man who was carrying an infant through the snow in below zero weather. Former President Jimmy Carter said to be surrounded by loved ones as he spends his final days at his home in Plains, Georgia. Historian and friend of the former president, Larry Cook, talks about how Carter would like to be remembered. From knowing him for several years, I, I, I think that it's important for him, for the world to know that he was a champion of human rights. Admirers in Carter's home state and beyond offering their well wishes as the nation's oldest living president receives hospice care. The 98-year-old Carter served as commander-in-chief from 1977 to 1981. 
Today is Ash Wednesday, of course, marking a significant time for Christians and the beginning of the Lenten season. Many will be fasting and avoiding things they consider bad habits over the next 40 days. The website openbible.info has tracked Twitter data to identify Twitter itself and alcohol among the most common items mentioned as something users are giving up for Lent this year. Coffee and meat are among other common choices, with chocolate, sugar, and fast food all making the top 10 as well. I'm Michael Kastner. New Life Radio in Ukraine and Russia is helping spread God's message of peace after a year of war. Station manager Dan Johnson. Christians all of a sudden don't have any relations because of this war. That's exactly one of the purposes of our station. New Life Radio basically serves as a spiritual link between Christians in each country. Johnson says the war has strained relations on both sides of the border, and that's why he's added a Ukrainian language radio station. We could no longer just broadcast in Russian because the Ukrainian government and the people were beginning to reject all things Russian. So we realized we had to start a Ukrainian language radio station if we were going to effectively serve people in Ukraine. 97% of Ukrainian households do not have access to local Christian radio. This year, New Life Radio is planning to build a new nationwide FM station that reaches the entire war-torn country. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. Do you think of secular universities as battlegrounds for the faith or as mission fields? For today's Inside Out Report, Martha Manikas Foster talks with a student who changed her mind once she got to campus. This is the time of year high school seniors are making decisions about life after graduation, including where they might go for more education. Today on Family Life's Inside Out, we'll talk about one woman's expectations and the ongoing surprises now that she's a Christian student at a secular university. I'm Martha Manikas Foster, and my guest today is Daniela Angulo. She's written for the Gospel Coalition about the unexpected receptivity of some of her classmates to learning what she, as a Christian, believes. Daniela, I've mentioned your expectations prior to going to university. So why don't you explain what you thought it would be like for you on a large secular university campus? So I grew up in a myriad of different educational backgrounds. As of eighth grade, right before high school, I moved over to a private Christian school. I had been raised in a Christian family. And when preparing you as a Christian school, many of the faculty and the teachers, their main concern is making sure that you are able to defend your faith and to stay grounded in the Word, Mm -hmm. because it is so common for Christian students to go to college and have their views questioned. So their main concern is laying that foundation for you. So that painted a picture for me and many of my classmates where we saw secular college as a battlefield. Mm -hmm. That was what we expected. We were expecting to go in with our weapons in hand and all of the apologetics that we had learned and every argument we had learned against evolution, against liberal theories, against any sort of secular, I guess, the way we thought, attack. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested at this moment to talk to you about what surprised you the most about your university classmates' response to you because it didn't end up being exactly what you might have pictured. So my very first semester of college, I enrolled in a philosophy seminar. It was a requirement for the honors college that I was a part of, and I went into it expecting an attack. Mm -hmm. But the most surprising thing was not just my classmates' reactions, but my professors' reactions to my beliefs. Mm -hmm. The professors that I had in that course specifically were ones who were 
very adamant that they did not want us to believe what they believed. And they explicitly stated it the first week of class. And then as I speak about in my article, I had classmates who, upon finding out I was a Christian, were more curious than anything else and would ask me to have lunch with them. One in particular, we had many lunches, just ask questions about the Bible and what I believed everywhere from on the political spectrum regarding abortion to simply, what about Cain and his sister that he married? Mm -hmm. How do we look at that? So that was one of the things that was honestly, it was honestly formative of how I started looking at college. While I still made sure to hold on to that foundation, those apologetics that I knew, because I knew they would come in handy and there have been times where I have needed them, I also started approaching each class with a renewed excitement for the opportunity God might give me to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, it's not a battlefield as much as, as it is an evangelistic ground mm-hmm. of mission work. Mm-hmm. Daniela? How do you suggest Christians prepare for college or university on a secular campus? And as they prepare, what would you have them keep in mind? The first and foremost thing I would say is know the Bible. Whether it be a conversation or defending your faith, you need to know what you believe. And so that foundation of just understanding what it is that we believe and why is so important. So being in the Word, number one, helps you make those decisions when you're looking towards college, whether mm-hmm. you're going to a secular college or a Christian college. But number two, if you do choose to go to a secular college, it's preparing you to make sure that your faith is not simply something that you have grown up surrounded by, but it's something that you really are intricately a part of and you know really what it is. That would be the first thing. And the second thing is to kind of view it as your own personal mission field. Yes, you are going to learn and to get your degree and to plan the future of your life, but we're called to be disciples everywhere we go, and we're called to spread the gospel everywhere we go. So don't view your secular classmates, your atheist classmates, your agnostic classmates, your liberal classmates, don't view them as your enemies. View them as people who are lost and who we pray that God will reveal himself to and that you will be able to be a tool for him. And the third and final thing I would say is prayer for those opportunities. My first semester of college, somebody had mentioned it to me to, you know, just pray for those opportunities. And I started praying for that opportunity. And it came, the opportunity came in that philosophy class where I met these classmates. And later on, as I've met other classmates that have given me the opportunity to, even if it's just a brief conversation about Christianity, Mm -hmm. plant that seed there. It's not really about us or about them so much as it is about serving and glorifying the Lord. Inside Out airs Wednesdays during the Noon Report or online anytime at FamilyLife.org. Just ahead, there's snail mail, and then there's what showed up at a home in England. She wrote upon it, returned to sender, address unknown. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. We've got a winter storm coming in from the west, and it's going to bring a wide range of conditions across our region over the next 48 hours, with everything from snow and ice to warmth and wind. Here are the details for this afternoon, cloudy, with snow or snow arriving across the area, but transitioning to sleet, freezing rain, and rain near Lake Erie, south of Buffalo. Temperatures in the 30s, generally for highs. And then tonight, it's snow, sleet, freezing rain, and rain, continuing into tomorrow with wind. Temperatures tonight steady or rising. High temperatures tomorrow will range from the low 30s near Lake Ontario to the low 60s in central and eastern Pennsylvania. We'll have to watch for a significant impact from snow and ice uh, tonight along the I-90 corridor from Buffalo east past Utica. 
And then on Friday, it's blustery, colder, local lake snows and snow flurries, and temperatures in the teens and 20s. All right, thank you, Kevin. Finally at noon. Stop, well, yes, wait a minute, Before there was texting and email or even phones, there was what we now just call snail mail. But even a snail would seem jet-powered compared to the letter that arrived at a home in England recently. The recipient knew it was unusual, rumpled, faded. It had a one-penny stamp on it bearing the likeness of King George V. The postmark read Bath, that's England, not New York, and a two-digit year, 16. Yeah, 1916. Inside, a letter from the daughter of a wealthy merchant from more than a century ago, beginning My Dear Katie. Much of it faded, hard to read, but the gist of it was that she penned it from the uh, sanatorium and hospital in Bath, England, noting that she was, quote, miserable here with a heavy cold. The letter's been given to a local historian. The big mystery, of course, how was it only delivered now in 2023? The Royal Mail says it hasn't the foggiest how or who might have resurrected it from the dead letter office after all these years. Maybe the sender's descendants can at least request a one-penny refund. That's the world we live in for Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.